The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. If you look at the biographies of creative luminaries, what you find is that a striking number of them were naturally drawn to collecting works they admired. Andy Warhol collected artwork. David Bowie collected records. Julia Child collected cookbooks. Immersing yourself in examples leads to skill building in ways that most people don't immediately anticipate. Hi, I'm Michael Kavnat. It's Monday, and this is the Next Big Idea Daily, the show where we bring you quick life lessons to help you succeed at work and in life. But that begs a question. What does it take to succeed? Do you need talent or maybe just hard work? Sure, both talent and hard work can help, but I've got author Ron Friedman here to tell us there's a third way, maybe a better way, reverse engineering the success of other people. Ron is a social psychologist who studied the patterns of behavior that have produced great artists, athletes, and entrepreneurs. He's written a book called Decoding Greatness, How the Best in the World Reverse Engineer Success. And he's got some practical tips you can use to emulate the successful leaders in your own field, whatever that may be. There's a faster way to learn new skills. Most of us grew up with two basic stories about how top performers, people like Simone Biles, Jerry Seinfeld, and Steve Jobs, achieve at the highest levels. The first story is that greatness comes from talent. From this perspective, we're all born with certain innate strengths, and the key to achieving your greatness is finding a field that allows your inner strengths to shine. The second story is that greatness comes from practice. According to this view, Getting to the top requires the right practice regimen, and it also requires an appetite for doing lots of hard work. But what I found in doing the research for decoding greatness is that there's a third story, and it's not one that is often told. Yet it is the path by which an astonishing number of top performers, from writers and artists to inventors and entrepreneurs, have used for generations. And it involves mastering a skill that few people have heard of. That skill is called reverse engineering. Reverse engineering simply means studying the best in a field and then working backward to figure out how they did it. In Silicon Valley, it is well known. There is a long history of coders deconstructing winning products to learn how they're made. It's how we got the personal computer and laptops and even the iPhone. What's less well known is that reverse engineering also explains how writers like Stephen King and Malcolm Gladwell learned their craft, and how painters like Claude Monet and Paul Cezanne became groundbreaking artists, and even how Judd Apatow became one of the most successful comedy minds of our generation. Studying the best works in a field and then working backward to figure out how they were created turns out to be far more common than anyone had realized. Before you can master, you must first collect. What I'd like to do next is tell you about some practical strategies you can use to start applying reverse engineering in your field. The first strategy is the easiest. You may even be doing this right now, and if you're not, you're gonna find this immediately useful. It involves starting a collection. 
of outstanding examples you come across so that you can begin to unpack them for hidden patterns and visit them when you need inspiration. In Decoding Greatness, I look at how computer algorithms detect patterns and what we can learn from their approach. One algorithm I look at closely is the one Tinder uses to match people up on dates. Now, if you've ever used Tinder, then you know that it will present you with potential partners and invite you to indicate whether you want to be paired with them by swiping left or right. The more you swipe, the better Tinder gets at predicting who you'll find attractive. It does that by looking closely at the partners you swiped right on or liked and determining what those partners have in common. But without having a group of examples to look at, Tinder's algorithm is fairly useless. The same is true for all of us. To know what we find impactful, we first need examples to study so that we can identify what they have in common. And if you look at the biographies of creative luminaries, what you find is that a striking number of them were naturally drawn to collecting works they admired. Andy Warhol collected artwork. David Bowie collected records. Julia Child collected cookbooks. Immersing yourself in examples leads to skill building in ways that most people don't immediately anticipate. For one thing, it prompts you to absorb best practices without even trying. Studies show that just consuming examples with an underlying structure leads you to detect their patterns even when you're not consciously trying to learn a thing. It's a process cognitive psychologists call implicit learning. But there's another benefit to curating examples and isolating those you find compelling. Patterns are more easily found in quantity. The more remarkable examples you have to admire, study, and dissect, the easier it becomes for you to detect an underlying thread. When we think about collections, we tend to think about physical objects, like artwork, wine, or stamps. That definition is too limited. Copywriters collect headlines. Designers collect logos. Consultants collect presentation decks. And I can tell you that as a writer, I collect all the time. I have a Google Doc of strong openings, powerful conclusions, polished transitions. Collecting is what has taken my writing to the next level, and it can do the same for you. So whatever your field, start a collection by either taking photos or screenshots or bookmarking or just creating a directory of works you admire so that you can review them anytime you need inspiration. Once you've gathered all those great examples, the next step is to figure out what makes them compelling. It's not enough to just have a collection. Next, you need to understand why the examples you admire are so impactful. You might recall playing Spot the Difference as a kid. The children's version involves looking over two similar pictures side by side and finding important discrepancies. That same approach applies to uncovering hidden patterns inside the examples you admire. By keying in on important differences and comparing the ordinary against the extraordinary, you can't help but notice the factors that make exceptional works successful. Creative superstars do this all the time. They don't passively enjoy the works of others. Anytime they encounter a remarkable work, whether it be a book, a website, or a speech, they pause to think, what makes this different? What can I learn from this? And how can I apply this to my next project? A second method you can use to better understand what makes exceptional works unique is to craft a reverse outline. 
Reverse outlining is traditional outlining's sneakier, more provocative cousin. It doesn't involve listing the important arguments you intend to include in the future. Rather, it entails working backward and outlining the major points contained within a completed piece. It's a lot easier to evaluate the contributions of each individual paragraph when its main point is distilled down to a single sentence. But there's another use for reverse outlining, and it's one that's considerably more valuable for aspiring writers. It's using reverse outlining to uncover the hidden structure inside the works of a published author. By working backward and outlining the major points contained within a piece, you can find a hidden structure. And you can use it on any text, from a viral blog, to a Facebook ad, to even an Academy Award-winning film. Once you have a reverse outline of a work you admire, you have a way of evaluating the totality of a piece all at once. That's vastly different than the way we typically experience creative work. When we read a book or watch a movie, we can't help but focus on a small sliver of the performance, the scene unfolding in one particular moment. To the extent that we attempt to reflect on the progression of a piece as a whole, we tend to do that by stitching together a string of memories, which tend to be both unreliable and incomplete. Reverse outlines eliminate that experiential limitation. By compressing staggered events into a single document, we effectively collapse time, freeing us to broaden our perspective and see a piece anew. Reverse engineering can help you uncover a proven formula, but copying that formula wholesale rarely works. In fact, it's one of the most reliable ways of ensuring that your work isn't taken seriously. In Decoding Greatness, I describe that happening in the world of young adult fiction. In 2005, a stay-at-home mother in Arizona published a novel about a high school student who falls in love with a vampire. It took the literary world by storm. The astronomical popularity of Twilight launched hundreds of vampire-based young adult titles, few of which garnered even a fraction of the fanfare lavished upon Stephanie Meyer's original series. Nothing brings down a genre faster than a string of copycats, and the reason is simple. The more often a formula is used, the more predictable and less appealing it becomes. But there's a more nuanced explanation for why simply replicating a formula rarely yields memorable results. It's that exceptional work depends on much more than a proven recipe. It relies on a combination of factors. At the most basic level, we have a formula on one hand and the person executing it on the other. Present two people with the same formula and their results will likely differ. Why? because they each possess distinct strengths, personalities, and biographical histories that contribute to their unique execution. So the truth is, you need more than the right formula. You need the right formula for the right person within the right context. That last factor, context, can be especially tricky. All those Twilight clones failed to catch on, not because each and every one of them was a dreadful book. They failed because readers' expectations had shifted. The moment an audience is exposed to a particular experience, it evolves. No longer are fans riveted by a once-novel premise, charmed by formerly irresistible characters, or blindsided by what are now conventional plot twists. The audience has adapted, and the formula it once found gripping now feels insipid and stale. 
So how do you find your unique twist? Blending influences. A great example of blending influences is the way The Doors wrote the classic rock song, Light My Fire. When you first hear Light My Fire, it sounds different. But if you dig beneath the surface, what you find is it's actually a combination of a few established elements. They're combining rock and roll with bossa nova and Johann Sebastian Bach. What I love about this formula for evolving ideas is that it gives you the license to spend time consuming works in a wide variety of unrelated genres and fields and not feel guilty about it. If you enjoy Japanese cinema or beat poetry or Middle Eastern architecture, there's value in that because it's in those moments of enjoying unique, uncommon experiences that you're collecting the ammunition you need to fuel your creativity. Thank you, Ron. Everyone, I hope that gave you some ideas for how to reverse engineer your own success. If you need some help along the way, you could do worse than sign up for my newsletter. It's a free weekly compendium of the latest ideas from around the world of nonfiction, bringing inspiration and information to your inbox every Friday. Check it out in the episode notes or by going to LinkedIn and searching for the next big idea. Tomorrow, I'll be back with some tips on how to dial down the drama in your life. Psychologist Scott Lyons will be with me to share ideas from his book, Addicted to Drama, Healing Dependency on Crisis and Chaos in Yourself and Others. I'm Michael Kavnet. See you tomorrow.